welcome to the Naked Podcaster. Get ready to hear stories of someone brave enough to bear it all. Your past doesn't define you, but it does lead you on a path to today. Let's get naked. Hello, welcome to the Naked Podcaster. Today I have with me Ash Sobey, and this is really different because Ash, you're someone I have never met, but you live here in Reno where I live, and you've lived here for six months, so it's nice to meet you. Place is all mine. I've heard a lot about you, and I, the fact that you are a mom of eighteen, I kind of cyberstalked you a little bit too. Oh, good. It's good. just impressive. <laughs> well, we'll have to talk about that later, and then we'll flip interviews. We can flip okay. the script. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> so, tell me, you're in Reno. You haven't been here that long. Tell me who you are and what you do. Website, everything. Okay, you got it. Um, I came to Reno with my family. Christy's my wife, and baby Claire is about a year and a half old. And Christy's from the California side of Lake Tahoe, and she never really felt safe or comfortable anywhere else. So about uh, when about when we had baby Claire, she looked me in the eye and said, "You don't really want to stay in Southern California, do you? Would you mind going back where my grandparents used to live?" And I was like, "Where is that?" She's like, "My, you don't know. My grandpa went to UNR." I was like. Huh? Oh. Reno? Really? Where where Tesla's new Gigafactory is? <laughs> Interesting, right? So that's all I knew yeah. as a tech guy. And that's how we ended up here, just because of Baby Claire. And I'd been here several times. Like, despite everything that's great about Reno, frankly, Jen, what we fell in love with was the people here. Just because mm -hmm. I felt like there's a perfect balance of that East Coast hustle. A lot of people, just like yourself, they're very motivated. They want to do a lot of things. But also, it, it's like East Coast hustle meets Southern hospitality to me, right? And for me, that fine balance was very attractive. And we absolutely love the people here. So we're, we're blessed. Reno's this crazy amalgam of people. You're right. It is like East Coast Hustle because I'm from New England originally. Okay. And I would have said East Coast Hustle, totally agree, with like the West Coast warmth. And I don't mm -hmm. know about California, but yeah, I, li I lived in Idaho and Arizona and spent time in Utah. Mm -hmm. And like there's a sort of warmth in the people in the West Coast coast compared sure. to the east coast we don't have that in the east coast <laughs> we're not like that in the east well, coast here from me my my father got two bachelors two masters and a phd from usc in the 60s okay. and then he traveled to 30 something different countries at some point he met my mom so the deal with my mom was like yo listen i'm happy for you to travel focus on your career however you got to stay anywhere for more than six months you got to take us all with you you know we can't just be yeah. away from from dad that long, right? So I was fortunate enough to experience life in seven different countries. And even within those countries, we, we I mean, I've lived in dozens and dozens of cities. So Jen, hear it from me. Reno literally has the biggest collection of kind-hearted people all coming together in one spot. I've never ever seen silly. I've never ever seen anything like it. And I'm just really, really blessed to be here. I love that. Well, we'll get into the story. So tell me, you moved to Reno and you were in tech, correct? In California? Correct. Yeah. Okay, so how did that transfer into Reno when you moved? So I did really well for myself in my early 20s just because I got into tech. I got an artificial intelligence. At the time, it oh, wasn't good. even called AI. Uh, it was just us bunch of nerds and programmers that were never really popular in, in school. But all of a sudden <laughs> now with the tech boom, all of a sudden we have all this power. All Wall Street is always paying attention to us and so on and so forth. So it was a paradigm shift for me. And as I looked around, just because as an immigrant, I immigrated to the United States again in 2003, just because my mom and dad always came here and went back and forth but we were never here um so when i needed an opportunity to become a citizen because united states of america said look you know you don't have a country that you can get deported back to so tell you what 
We want you as part of our team as long as, number one, you don't commit any heinous crimes. Number two, you don't have become a burden on the society. So no Section 8s for you, no food stamps and so on and so forth. Plus, you don't have a Social Security number yet, so you can't legally work for anybody else, but you can start your own business. So forget about becoming a rock star, because I'm an 80s kid. I wanted to yeah, be yeah. a rock star, right? <laughs> Just like everybody else. Still. Uh, yeah, even till this day. Still, I still up. want that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I realized that there are only two things I was good at. It was one was music. The other one was technology, right? Technology, I was just a nerd. I was a geek and I was always on my computer. And uh, basically, I, my task was to hire 10 Americans and hopefully work my way up to make a million dollars, right? And my dad had a goal for me to make a million dollars in a 12-month span before I turned 30 just because my family was struggling financially and everything else. So I literally kid you not, Sarah, I'm Jenny, I, 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 Jen, I, look, I Googled my way to success, literally as a brand new kid that doesn't know anything about anything. I literally looked up, what the hell do you mean by taxes? What do you mean by capitalism? How the hell does this whole thing work? Because, you know, imagine that you're playing football for the first time. If you've never played it, you, yeah. you ought to kind of learn the rules and figure out, okay, what's the score? How do I win this? And I just fell in love with it. So I, I became a quote unquote millionaire, air quotes, uh, by age 26. So I was kind of well ahead of the schedule. Uh, but uh, that's, that's how I got into the tech world because I needed to make money for me to survive and actually be able to still live in America. So it was out of desperation and out of need. Well, I think, I mean, perhaps that's a great way to... <laughs> <laughs> you're probably more motivated than other people because of that. And I mean, how fascinating you're Google searching everything. You don't even think about what's just, <laughs> it's normal for me. I know what taxes are. I, okay. you know, but if I went to another country, I would have no idea the structure or how to do anything. So holy cow, good for you. So what Thank did you. you, you moved? So did you, were you retired? Did you make enough that you could live off of? You know, and you know, I don't need numbers. I'm just trying to decide. Usually when you move to a new place, you get a job. You transfer right. to a new place, you get a job. And I know kind of what you're doing now. And I don't know if you make money at it or, or how that works. So you moved so here I'll, six I'll, months ago. Did you stay in IT? Uh, so I'll, I'll tell you the brief version of it. Uh, no, we haven't made any money at all here in Reno because majority of my, my money has always come from mm -hmm. the corporate world. Typically right. what we did with artificial intelligence, I realized at some point there's a lot of money being wasted on marketing and advertising, right? Okay. I drove through the office this morning. Ask me if I remember the last five billboards I saw. Do you? I just can't. I don't. Right. I can't. I right. physically can't, right? If I ask you, what was the last product you bought yourself, Jen, from a radio commercial, what would you say? From a commercial? Nothing. I don't. So I mean, how come there are, there's literally billions of dollars being wasted every single day on billboards, TV commercials, and radio commercials when we don't really use it, right? right? So I happened to study psychology at Yale, mathematics at UCLA, and technology at CSUN. It I mean, just was a weird coincidence. <laughs> That's well, awesome. It was a weird coincidence. Well, okay. you Here's the thing. I, I don't know if your audience know this or not, but you can actually go to Yale, Harvard, or, or MIT for free. They won't give you a degree, but like Mark Twain said, I will never let school get in the way of my education. So I wanted education. So if you go on Google right now, you type in Yale courses for free online, literally you will have all their courses right there available for you for free. There's a camera behind the professor, kid you not, check it out for yourself, that okay. literally records the entire class and entire syllabus in the course entire uh, or curriculum for you, and you get to basically sit in the class without having to pay the tuition. 
So for me, that's one of the biggest things that make this country so great, because for me, this is the land of opportunity. Growing up in the, a lot of third world countries, even when we were in Germany or UK too, it's not as good as the United States. And that's what I, it made me a big patriot and fall in love with this team, just because it was the only team that wanted me on, on their team, you know? And yeah. I really fell in love with it because there's a lot of paths and ways for me to become successful with, without a whole lot of effort, right? And Got here's it. what I mean by that. A lot of people before you and I have had to literally give up their own entire lives for me, the foreigner even, to have freedom of speech. A lot of people have fought like Rosa Parks or Eleanor Roosevelt for you and my wife as women, for example, to have a lot of rights, right? I wouldn't have been here if it wasn't because of Abraham Lincoln, if it wasn't because of um, Dr. Martin Luther King and because of FDR and so on and so forth, right? So for me, I have to contribute in a way that I also matter as well. So given that all these luxuries have been literally just handed to me as a gift on a silver platter and of having that context of knowing having paved roads is not normal. I don't know if you've ever been to El Salvador or Mexico or anywhere else. It's just weird. Also, <laughs> even if your roads are paved for you to have lines down the middle so you understand where you're supposed to be. What a freaking luxury. I don't know. I don't mean that <laughs> in a joking way at all. I know Seriously. you don't. It's just crazy because we don't realize. Right. The fact right. that I can stick my head out here at any point, I can say anything about either political parties and I still won't get assassinated, that is weird. That's not normal in Middle East or a lot of other places that you can think of, right? right. Even, like, even like having a proper sewer system. I Forgive me for saying this, but I used the restroom this morning, press the button, and I never have to think about it again. I don't have to dig a hole, put an aluminum bucket down there, pull stuff out of the ground, dump it into a river or anything mm -hmm. like that, right? So for me, it's like, wow. What an amazing gift. If somebody did that for me two to 300 years before me, what the hell am I doing for two to three weeks from now for somebody else, right? Because right. I got to pass this gift around because I would hate for my baby girl, baby Claire, to not have the same luxuries that I grew up with, you know? Yeah, I hear that. So now your website is your name and everything yep. will be in show notes. What are you doing with the website? Because I've seen some of what you're doing, but what is the goal behind it? What's the purpose, the passion? What is your vision? So call me crazy, but I'll use an analogy. I want to okay. become Pope to my Vatican, right? Reno, okay. Sparks being my Vatican, I want to earn the right and the opportunity to hopefully one day become the most, the most admired human being in this town right? There are, there are a few people right now that I meet on a constant basis and everybody speaks so highly of them, right? And for me, I'm in competition with them in kindness. So for me, it doesn't necessarily matter what kind of a service I provide. It matters for me to matter to other people. For me, I have to live a natural life, Jen. For me, I have to be like the sun. The sun shines not for herself, does she? She only mm -hmm. shines for, for me and for you, right? Mm -hmm. the, the trees right outside you and I's house or office, they don't make oxygen for themselves, do they? They right. only make it for you and I. So to me, from everything that I've observed, right, out of the universe, everything always was working for somebody else, not for themselves, right? And it doesn't mean that right. you can't be, reap the benefits of it, but if you work for other people, money and success almost becomes a secondary goal. It becomes a byproduct of your effort. If I make the best chairs ever right mm -hmm. at some point people start talking about me and naturally i get wealthy because everybody wants my chairs right so for me i have a need to die with a smile on my face i have three lesions in my brain and four and a half years ago they gave me a worst case scenario of six months to live mm 
-hmm. And the best case scenario of the rest of my life, but it could be a rare form of multiple sclerosis, MS. So every single day that goes by, I might lose one of my abilities. So next time you and I do this kind of an interview, I might not be able to physically see you, or maybe I'll lose my ability to speak to you. So I might have to type, or I might be on a wheelchair. So every single day when I wake up, I'm like, no freaking way. Seriously, <laughs> I get one more opportunity. This is my playground, the entire world. And what kind of toy do I choose to play with today? And you interview people. I saw the, the one that I saw the most recent was the man that you interviewed who donated his kidney. Mm -hmm. So you find people in the Reno area and you interview them. So what's the process for that? Social media is a microphone that it seems to me right now is only in the hands of a very few people. Mm -hmm. A lot of good human beings that I meet on a regular basis are like, no, no, I don't want to talk about my story. No, I don't want to be on camera and so on and so forth. For, for, but for me, that bell curve shape, right? At the end of that bell curve shape, there's a lot of multi-billionaires. So if there's a story about Kim Kardashian buying a $500,000 dress, we highlight that. Or on the far end of the spectrum, the absolute worst things that happen on social media, we get highlight, we highlight those all the time. But majority of us are right in the middle. So for me to understand that the leading cause of death right now amongst all our kids in Washoe County is suicide. In this day and age, in this country, that's absolutely absurd. And that's unacceptable. And for me, a lot of these things have to go with our perception. A lot of these, this microphone right now on social media is in the hands of a lot of misguided people. So I took it upon myself to find the best things about our people or our town and highlight that those people and pass this microphone to them so we can make a bigger impact for that 18 to 29 year old target demographic. So I looked at my watch to see the date and the date is February 6, 2020 that we're recording this. And in the last week, I have a daughter who's a senior in high school and she does online oh. school. But she okay. was at Damani. We're zoned for Damani. And mm -hmm. in this last week, two of her friends have committed suicide. Two boys that she knows. And it was a result of a month or so ago, there was a girl that committed suicide. So then it was her boyfriend and then his best friend within this last week. I mean, it's, and I've had kids that have had suicide attempts and she's one of them. So she applied for a job and she interviews tomorrow at Renown to be part of their suicide watch program. And who better than the person who had an right, attempt sure. that was unsuccessful. I mean, it, it is, that's the interesting thing for me about Reno. When you put it on paper, like we have more sunny days annually than most places in the U S mm -hmm. I don't know about the world, but I know in the U S we have more sunny days. Mm -hmm. We have relatively mild winters, relatively. Mm -hmm. um, sure. Tahoe's our backyard. The Bay Area is four hours. You can drive to Boise, Salt Lake, or Vegas in seven hours. We're outdoors, you know, I mean, like there's all of these things that are incredible, but the census reports show it's the highest divorce rate, highest suicide rate. The unemployment is now skewed because of Tesla and all the warehouse jobs, but we were the lowest, they were the highest unemployment rate, second highest in the country for a couple of years. And we have the second worst school district in the nation in Washoe County. And I look at like the stats on Reno that are outstanding and then the census reports and they don't make sense. Mm -hmm. So I love that you're finding the people that are amazing and highlighting them because there's a lot more of that in the area than we realize because you're right. And although Absolutely. I think those like the suicide it's important to know that information because we need to do something. Absolutely. So you're hi highlighting people to try to make those differences. 
counterbalance the negativity because sometimes like I have two friends of mine here in town actually funny enough and they haven't spoken with each other for a little while now because one of them happens to be a Democrat the other one happens to be a Republican <laughs> okay and I was talking to both of them I was like really you guys seriously like how <laughs> yeah. does that even really affect you guys let's let's talk about this right right and for me it's it's it's, it's a sad um, it's a sad phenomenon that we can actually really fix. Because to your point, there's a lot of amazing people. Look at you. Like you are so far, so much far kinder to me than I'm anywhere near even worthy of this kind of kindness. But you take time out of your day. You want to talk to me. You want to interview me. You reach out to me and everything else. And to me, this gives me an opportunity to at least show you my gratitude. And here's what I'll tell you. For me, this is our life insurance policy because a lot of us either don't have life insurance or somebody like me won't get qualified for life insurance. Correct. So here's my strategy. If I can do a favor for Jen today, another one for Sarah, another one for Brian the next day, right? Mm -hmm. At some point when I'm not around, if baby Claire calls you and says, hey, Jen, remember Ash? I'm his daughter. I'm stuck on the 80 freeway here. Any chance you can give me a ride? Only and only if I've done enough for you, then I could expect or hope that you might pick up that phone call. And then right. if I haven't, then I'm not worth a damn, right? And for me, again, the fact that we've been handed all these luxuries, we have to realize that it's up to us to do something. And I don't say that people don't have struggles, but we can't stop working. I've never seen a tree lose a branch and stop making oxygen. It just doesn't work that way. So we might have adversities, but we have still a job to do and we have to keep going. And for me, I, I want to defy the physical world. I want to defy the statistics because maybe some of these statistics are true, but also maybe our best people are too shy to speak about it, right? So I want to counterbalance that. that and show that positivity. I find that that people think their story is not good enough or they're not uh, popular enough. That's what we used to call it in the <laughs> 70s and 80s, right? Like, I'm not one of the popular kids. And it's not about that. You can have the most famous person on your show or on my show, and their mm -hmm. story's not better. They're just right, more absolutely. public about it. And so 100%. I try to tell people that there's no story that's not good enough. It doesn't exist 100%. because we've all had struggles and that struggle is relatable to other people. So you're doing a very totally. similar thing on video like I am and, but in the public, in the Reno area. So I As love it. Yeah. And you're Thank right. You. I, you, I mean, David. I speak on compounding joy and it's using, you're using the theory of compound interest. You do something for people, <laughs> right? It's a theory of compound interest. 100%. Right. Totally. You do small things on a very regular basis that add up over time and that make 100%. a difference. Right. They make a difference in that person's Absolutely. life and then in a lot of other ways. So I love that theory. So let's go back a little bit. Take me back because you've, where did you immigrate from? Cause you lived in seven countries and all kinds of cities. Where was Correct. home in that situation? <laughs> did you have so one? I, what was it like? I didn't have one. I always, it's, all my life, I felt like I was an American that was born in the wrong country. Uh -huh. And I was always stuck outside and I could never come back home until I was given an opportunity to do so. And even until this day, every day, I want to earn a right to be here. Because seven and a half billion people and there's just one of me. Why do I deserve to be picked out of Middle East and dropped off in the best country ever, right? It's just, I got super lucky. And I can't, I don't know if I can 
ever explain that to anybody else. It's just like, if you take a tour around the world, just please, for the love of God, go to Congo, go to Libya, Syria, you take your pick and then you come back and you let me know how you feel about it, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying this, 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 what we have is perfect. We're always going to have issues, but at any given point, this is the best model I've ever seen. So my dad's uh, parents and everything else, historically speaking, they're from uh, Persia. They're from Iran. So okay. and during the 60s and the 70s, I believe, when the Shah fell and there was a lot of Americans being held hostage and everything else, he went back there. Either he thought he could make an impact or he wanted to be with his family and so on and so forth. But um, I, it just it wasn't it didn't work out the way he thought it was going to work out. Right. So at some point, soon enough, right after that, that, that I was born during uh, the 80s when Saddam Hussein was chemically bombing our town. So it wasn't a very comfortable time at all. I actually watched. One of my own buddies in their house burned down the ashes with her fam his family uh, because her their house got bombed about a block and a half away from our home and it was it was traumatic to kind of see that now you contrast that with what I have here in Reno I walk these streets like I'm the safest place ever you know I never have yeah. to worry about anybody taking shots at me or anybody doing anything and I want your audience to also realize that just because. It's such a beautiful gift. And if we, if we can't take care of it, then we're doing ourselves a disservice, right? Yeah. So once we left Iran after a couple of years, we went to Germany. We lived there for a while. Then we also went to UK. And we also, at some point, went back to Iran and we visited uh, Malaysia, Singapore, Dubai, and so on and so forth. And in between, we would always go back to Iran because my dad had about 800 um, uh, tribal ladies that would make handmade arts. And that was kind of his business. And that's what he would do. And he would do import and export around the whole world as far as Morocco is concerned and other places. One of the things that he wanted to do as a humanitarian is that if he felt like there was another region of the world that was, was about to bomb or military attack another region of the world, he would go to the less privileged place, he would import a lot of those handmade tribal arts that were typically made by ladies and export it to that other predatory country to humanize that region, right? So for wow. example, let's say to somebody in Austria, a military general in Austria, let's call it Cambodia, could be a spot on the map. But all of a sudden, if you have a lot of their arts at your home, you have some sort of relationship and some sort of, I guess, um, some sort of feeling about it. Connection, right? Connection, okay. easy to bomb it. Wow, what a great backwards, I mean, like that's backwards thinking to most of us because we wouldn't have, that's crazy, amazing. Thank you. He wanted to matter and I think, uh, to this day, he's still looking for that, and I'm I'm on the same track because any of these days, literally, could be my last day, right? I I, I none of these days are guaranteed because out of the 11 months I spent in the hospital, seeing the 23 of the best surgeons money could buy, I still didn't get a diagnosis. The the potential diagnosis they gave me, they changed it six times. And to right. relate back to the story you were sharing with me, um, I I attempted suicide twice myself. So for me to be on this side of it now. I genuinely, sincerely, sister, like, I don't know how else to say this. I really want to matter. I don't, I don't expect to die as Mother Teresa or the Dalai Lama, but that's, that's what I'm hoping for. If I can be a miniature version of them, I can't ask for anything better just because I don't feel like I'm a philanthropist. I'm not a giver. Nobody's taking from me. I, there's no helper or helpy. We're just a bunch of kids and we're all trying to matter and play with each other. So if I can make a dent and actually do something that at the end of the day, when my, my, time hits triple zero, I can still hang my hat on it. That's what I'm hoping for. Let's go back a little bit. So you guys were moving around, you immigrated in 2003, 
when mm-hmm. when were the suicide attempts in all of that? What was your age? Where were you living? Uh, so I, at the time I was living in Iran and unfortunately I was molested by one of my family members. And this gentleman was such a good human being to the public eye that I always internalized it for myself. I always thought he's a man of God. If I tell people that this is what's going on in the back end, people might actually not like me because they're going to probably say that you corrupted him. Even though you know the first time, unfortunately, this happened, I was only six years old, I still couldn't necessarily wrap my mind around yeah. it. And I don't think I ever spoke a word about this till um, it stopped when I was 16 because we physically left the country, so he didn't have access to me. Uh, but uh, I didn't speak a word about it probably till I was about 27 years of age. And this is when I was going through a lot of my health issues. And there was a Buddhist gentleman that at some point came up to me and actually talked to me. And he made me realize that, Ash, you didn't earn these hands, did you? Somebody gave them to you. You didn't earn these eyesight, did you? Like, you didn't have to work for it. Somebody gave you all this stuff, Mm -hmm. right? So why are you shy? If you have some sort of knowledge, if somebody, all these people have enabled you to get to where you are today, why are you going to die with all these things that are in your heart? If you don't start speaking publicly about it, you're robbing everybody else from the gifts that you've been given. You're not letting it pass through you. And that made me feel guilty. And that was the synopsis of why I got on a TED stage and I had my TED talk because right. I was never a public speaker, but that was his push to say, this is your opportunity. This is your chance to matter. And I, I took it and I've been taking it every day that I still have a breath left in me. And you had to first go through talking about something very difficult. Did, was it with your parents? How did the, the issue with the molestation come out? Um, it was mainly actually with my wife, Christy. Mm. She's honestly, sincerely, Jen, the best human being I've ever come across. Because as, as a corporate thug, I was used to transactional stuff, right? Because that's how you become successful, I guess you can say. It was always about, I scratch your back if you scratch my back. I will love you as long as you love me. I won't cheat on you if you don't cheat on me, right? And when I was going through a lot of my stuff health-wise and they told me I might only have six months to live, I looked Christy in the eye and said, girl, what are you doing with me? You're a pretty girl. Like, you, I'm toast. You should go. Like, you should go somewhere else. Like, there's not much left in me. And at the time, I, was, I had donated 75, 80% of everything I owned just because all the zeros in my stupid Bank of America app couldn't save me. All the fans and falls, not, nothing could save me. So for me, all of a sudden, forgive me for saying this, everything that human beings attach themselves to almost became very silly. It's like, wow, really? Like, that's not what life should be about. Like, there's right. so much more to life that I want to experience. And when I told her to leave, I kid you not, she slapped me so hard on my (laughs) face that even till this day, I can feel her fingerprints on there. And she said, you know what, Ash, you're a pig and I will never forget that. But here's my last gift to you. If this is your last opportunity, I'm going to show you true love. I'm going to let you know there is such thing as called as unconditional love. And you're going to learn that from me before you die, because this is, this is how I'm going to make you happy. It's not about transactional stuff. I'm going to show you true love so that way you can die with a smile on your face. And I fell in love with her right there and then, uh, even a lot more than I had before, just because mm-hmm. she's the one who taught me this stuff. And she was the first person that I opened up about my experience just because I needed to kind of get a lot of things off my chest and let her know the reason why I'm so screwed up in the head or at the time I thought I was is because of 
because of what has happened in the past. And right. you've probably heard this too, hurt people hurt people. And yes. I think at the time, I didn't know how to really truly love. I, I, was, I think I was hurting people un, unintentionally and I, I owe a lot of it to Christy. I love that. So the suicide attempts were in Iran. You were not successful, clearly. So we're happy about that. Um, what, what happened after that and what was the timeline before you immigrated? I fell into a much bigger depre depression afterwards because okay. um, hopefully you've never experienced this before, but as a broken child, when you attempt suicide, you're unsuccessful, or at least for me, I internalized it for myself. I felt like I am so not worth a damn that I can't even succeed at taking my own life, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, it, it, it was a difficult time. And I basically, at some point, I was listening to a podcast in LA so I, the last time that happened was 16, 17 years of age. I moved to the United States and probably in my early 20s, maybe 20, maybe 19, is I heard a quote, somebody said something like, a lot of us tell ourselves a story, right? But you highlight a very specific part of your life and you keep telling that, your, that story to yourself that almost it drives your whole life. But if you don't like who you are, I'll tell yourself a different story. And it just clicked on me. It's like, wow. That was a small part of my life. There's mm -hmm. so many other things that would always happen in a 24 hour incident. Why do I focus on that just one little thing? What if I, my story became the story of that immigrant that came to this country, actually succeeded, actually did good and everything else. So that's what I started latching myself to, to hopefully become the next version of Bill Gates or Elon Musk and so on and so forth. And that's where I was going. On the verge of taking my company public is when I got the news that I might not make it. So I transferred that because I, all of a sudden being Bill Gates, as, as much as I respect him, it wasn't big enough. I wanted to become in the same conversation as Mother Teresa. I wanted to become the Dalai Lama to my town, or at least the, my friends or people that were around mm -hmm. me rather than becoming XYZ corporate guy. That's a huge, that's a couple of huge shifts. So you went from the depression and moving here to, I mean, that's huge shifts. The, the changing your story thing is great because you're right. We play that one loop and there's like millions of other loops we could play that don't suck that much. So, I mean, right. So that's a great tool is that you just decided to play a different section of your story over and over again instead of the one that sucked. So that that's a phenomenal tool. And then with your, I'm a minimalist, so I understand like getting rid of 80% of what you own and living, like that's very much how we live. I love in that it. about your family. Yeah. I read yeah. that on your website. Yeah. When you have 12 kids at home, minimalism looks like Costco style, but you know, that, that's a little <laughs> different, but it's all good. So when I heard that you like, I didn't, I, I did not realize, are you married at this point when you're, when things went public? with your company uh, and you decided to sell it all? So yeah, so yeah I, actually, no, at the time I wasn't married. This is, uh, so we got married right after that, just because I, when I felt like my life might be cut short, one of the biggest things I wanted to do, I wanted to be married to Christy. And one of the things that she wanted that I kind of, to be totally honest with you, I was very nervous about was having a child. Cause you know, I was like, well, what if I'm not around? And she was like, you know me, I'm a badass girl. It's not like we need you. You're part of it. We're happy to have you as long as you're around. But baby Claire and I, we got this on our own too. If God forbid your time comes and so on and so right. forth. So that gave me all the confidence in the world that, okay, cool. 
if I'm smart enough, if we live a minimalistic life and I save as much money as I possibly can, right? right. Then I can give her something that at least she will have some time. And she's always done everything on her own too, right? So for me, I wasn't as necessarily as worried about it. But to your point, Jen, like these are some really big leaps. And I don't know if I can really summarize everything I had to go through all those years in just a matter of 30 minutes or an hour right. of conversation. It's but I guess huge. the biggest Right. And the biggest thing I can tell anybody that's listening to this is that at some point I had to stop listening to everybody else and start looking inside for myself. Because here's what happens. Us human beings, we have this obsession with pushing air through these couple little vocal cords and we make noise, right? So the noise could be wow, 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 or woo, 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 right? But if you say woo, woo to somebody, you make their day. But if God forbid they say wow, wow, all of a sudden they ruin your day. But at some point when I was having to face my own inevitable demise, I realized that I can't really judge my life based on somebody else's vocal cords. This is just noise. I need to live my life the way I know how to live. And going back to what we started talking about is that natural life. I really looked at my universe and say, okay, cool. What's dying? And I started asking a lot of my friends. And until okay. that same gentleman I was talking about, that Buddhist gentleman, he told me, he said, look, Ash, I swear God, dying is the safest thing you're ever going to go through. And that resonated with me because he, he convinced me. He's like, look, first of all, nothing has ever gone wrong when somebody was dying. Have you ever heard of any story that somebody was about to die, something went wrong? No, right? Everybody dies, everybody dies okay, right? And they just move on. And he started realizing that I'm a scientific kind of guy. If you can't put it in a mathematical formula, I'm not a spiritual kind of guy and so on and so forth, or I wasn't at the time. I couldn't wrap my mind around it. So he said, look, you know how we have uh, this earth that's really big? He's like, sure. He's like, you know how this earth is also in a bigger thing called our Milky Way galaxy? right? And from one side of it to the other side of it, it's X amount of thousands of light years apart, right? It's like, okay, what are you trying to say? It's like, but, but that galaxy also be, belongs to a, what we call a local group. And that local group, they kind of went on. And with science, he's proved to me that there is about 2 trillion, let me repeat that again, 2 trillion other galaxies that we as human beings have discovered so far. So there's more planets, as far as what we've seen so far, than grains of sand on all the beaches on all the earth combined. So, but he was telling me that you are a part, a natural part of this ecosystem. You're gonna die, but where are you gonna go? This is it, this is everything that you have. And that's when he told me, Ash, if you die, I think you're gonna be more useful than when you're alive now, right? Because here you are only worried about yourself and your own finances or your own kind of accolades and everything else, but when you die and you become a natural part of this ecosystem, then you work for other people. Then you become that uh, tree that is producing oxygen for those kids who are playing in the park, right? And to me, there's a lot more glory to that. So I guess as, as much as I want to tell you everything that happened to me, I would say, I don't know what's right for your audience or for you or anybody else who might be listening to this. The only one that has the answer is you. And the best thing for us to do is just shut all the noise out go inside of ourselves and figure out, okay, what do I want to do, right? Mm -hmm. And I'll wrap it up with this. You are in charge of your own happiness. There's serotonin being released in your brain or anxiety. And if it's your gosh darn brain, you better be in control of it rather than it being in control of you. So you can create your own happiness. And here's an example. If this interview went south and went sideways and you and I just hated our time together, I would respectfully say goodbye, hang up, and probably drive to the closest ice cream shop and just indulge myself in ice cream, right? Or if 
I, I, I'm in a situation that I'm not happy with, then I get out and go fly a kite. Every single time that we have an, uh, an obstacle or some sort of adversity, we have to realize that we are in control of things and we can't change things. And call this hacking your own brain. If you hack your own brain, so you're in charge of the levers that produce serotonin or dopamine for you, then you're never going to be miserable, even if you get locked up in jail. Which is true. And, and you had experiences that taught you that, that showed you that between your wife and this other person and just taking a step back. Let's dive into the, the illness and what happened. Because I remember seeing the video about you saying something was bothering your eye and you couldn't see out of it. That was your Ted talk or. Right. Correct. Yeah. So you woke up one day and didn't feel well. So I had a lot of headaches just over the years, right? A lot of massive amount of headaches that at some point turned into a migraines. And at mm -hmm. some point I would lose my balance or some weird things would happen. But that one day when I woke up, I physically couldn't see from my right eye. And no matter what I did to try to, I guess, like rub it out or put some, you know, uh, drops in it and so mm -hmm. on and so forth, nothing came back. And from time to time, I would notice just weird things when it would get really hot. Both my eye visions would go away completely, right? So at some point, I was in an airplane when we were about to descend. I got the worst headache I've ever seen, I'd ever had in my whole life. I physically literally thought my entire head was about to explode. And I was crawling at the bottom of the airplane, begging anybody for any kind of aspirin or something. And obviously, nobody would, could give me anything because we're on a flight. We're about to land. And they basically said, sir, take your seat. You're causing mayhem here, right? And I just didn't know how to handle that. Thank God a couple of my um, employees were with me. So they dragged me up, put me on the seat and everything else and fought myself through it somehow. And by the time we got down, I still thought it was just probably some sort of um, you know, allergies or congestions or something along maybe my sinuses. But when I saw my first doctor and second doctor and third doctor, everybody was like, ah, uh, something's really weird. I don't know. Your, your eyes look perfect. And here's the bad news. When your eyes are perfect, that means probably there's some sort of mass sitting on your optic nerves in your brain. Mm -hmm. That's what's causing these vision losses and everything else. So that's how that whole thing started. And like I said, I saw 23 different surgeons and they changed the diagnosis, diagnosis on me about six times. And until the last time that I was there, they basically, 23 different surgeons all around, they basically said, we can inject your spine with a bunch of steroids just to see what happens. And that's when I was like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. And uh, I read this article, it was titled, How We Used to Die. And it was talking about you and I's grandparents. It used to say that it was saying that they used to all die in their own home, in the comfort of their own bed, with their loved ones around them. But the majority of us now actually die in a hospital bed, in a cold gown, just listening to beep, beep, with nobody around us, right? And I chose at the time that I'm not going to die like that. If I want to die, I'm going to die at least doing a couple of things that I have time to do, right? If today literally is going to be my last day, then I get to play it. And nothing else really matters. I can do absolutely no wrong. Just like you and I have never seen the wrong branch of a tree, have we? Mm -hmm. Right. We've never seen a wrong star or a wrong river, have we? Right? right. So I can do no wrong as long as I don't harm anybody else. Right. So I started kind of living my life as if today was my last day. 
and I can't tell you how much fun it's been. It's honestly <laughs> as as sad as it might seem to outside world. It's literally the best thing that's ever happened to me. And people sometimes come up to me and say, "I'm so sorry to hear." I'm like, "No, no, no. I'm sorry for you because now I'm living instead of pretending like you're living. While a lot of people around me pretend to live, but they have never lived a moment in their life. So I hope everybody gets a chance to live like this." You were told they don't know what it is, but you're probably going to die. I mean, that's a, that's crazy to me. Did you ever have surgery? I did not. No, they couldn't operate on me because of the risk and also because they couldn't really pinpoint exactly what it was. So still with all of our modern medicine in the U S no idea could be a bunch of different things. <laughs> Totally, for sure. And the thing is, like, there's so many different things that we still don't know about. Yep. And our, you know, our medical system is no different. You know, like you ask me questions about marketing. I, I know some, I know as much as I know, but it's not like I know everything. Right. So I, 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 I don't pin this on the doctors. I think they absolutely tried their best. But uh, just like 60, 70 years ago, there were a lot of things that they didn't know. We still don't know a lot of things. You know, there was a time in our lives that we were told the earth is flat. Yeah. Apparently it's not that way, right? Uh, what? So we're, a lot of, <laughs> we're talking a lot of stuff now that may or may not be true. I think it's interesting. Your story is fascinating because you got the financial success and, but then you had like a physical awakening through trauma, through being told you mm -hmm. might not live. And that encouraged you to do things that you wanted to do. One, get married. Two, have a child. Three, set things up as best mm -hmm. as you can right? Yep. For not stress out about having a child or going to die. <laughs> and mm -hmm. then it complete. and you became a minimalist. So, Hey, I can last longer. Money lasts longer. All these things are easier if I have a more streamlined life. For sure. And then you decided to do the stuff that makes you happy. All the time. Bingo. I, I love that that is how it all happened. And Christy's great, by the way, because when you told me like <laughs> <laughs> email Christy, I'm like, okay, he has an assistant. And then something, something in the email, something going back, I was like, oh my gosh, it's his wife. <laughs> okay. So I didn't want to be like, hey, Ash's little assistant, you know, like <laughs> downgrade her. But I never told her that. You can tell her that. <laughs> um, no, she's lovely. Uh, yeah, I've heard. I've heard that she is. So now that you're doing the things you love. So let's talk about more about that. I really, really love that. You have this incredible story that's all over the place in, in space, like in places that you've lived and things that have happened between being molested, having suicide attempts, the, the near death, it might happen someday situation. So your lease on life, your love of life has got to be, you've got to be just so happy to be here every day because of all, I mean. I think I'm the happiest person on earth and I have yet to be challenged on that. Oh, well. <laughs> challenge accepted. I, but, but what a great challenge, right? It doesn't matter if you succeed or you Ooh. fail, if you're up there feeling like you're the happiest person on the earth. Um, but most Absolutely. people in the U.S. haven't come from your background. I mean, I can speak to some of what you've been through, but not all of it. And other people can speak to other parts of it, but not all of it, because you have your own unique mm. story. So tell me how you find people to interview and why you decided video and how you get people past being nervous about video. Because I have the same issues as you do to some degree, but you're really like right here in Reno. You know, you know. 
what I would say. I think sometimes people get really weird about cameras, right? But the truth of the matter is that if you're a good human being, you forget about this camera right here, you realize there's another human being on the other side of this. So for me, I ignore this, and I'm literally invested in Jen right now. You know, right. I don't care less if right. Now, since this morning, I have 92 unread text messages and 74 missed calls, right? Some of these must be important, but I could care less. I have you. And if I can let people know that this is not about the camera, this is about the impact you're going to make, then typically people are a little bit more apt to open up. The second thing I always tell people is that whether you like it or not, you're always on camera. Everywhere you go, every bank you go, there's some sort of security camera. And also, if you're even out and about, there's a ton of satellites that are watching us 24-7. Hear it from me. As a Middle Eastern that I came here to the United States, right after 9-11, I was being watched by NSA and FBI and you name it, right? Mm, yeah. And I'm very thankful for that because that's how I am safe today, right? So, guys, please watch me. And as long as you – forgive me for saying this, but as long as you have no shit in your pants or sand in your shoes – then who cares? If the NSA right. is watching me, I am really hoping I'm, I'm inspiring a bunch of those employees and those government workers, right? Because I want them to see that I am stepping in the same shoes as Rosa Parks. I'm stepping in the same shoes, hopefully, as a miniature version of Malcolm X. I want to be there, right? And if, as long as I have not, no, no, no sand in my shoes, then who cares who's watching me? I want everybody to watch me, right? So if you realize you're on camera all the time, but all these good conversations that you and I typically have offline, they don't get recorded to be distributed in, amongst our youth. But that one guy that buys a Lamborghini at some point and tells everybody, oh. hey, your life is about Lamborghini. And again, hear it from me, who's been into several of those damn cars myself. They are literally the most uncomfortable cars ever. <laughs> Their marketing is outrageously good. But once yeah. you actually get it, you realize, oh, crap, I have two of my friends standing outside, but I only have room to give one of them a ride. Yeah. How do you choose? Or if I'm going to, uh, going to airport with Christy, I'm going to have to have an Uber behind me to carry our luggage because our luggage won't fit in the damn car. And at right. some point, when you have to face your own inevitable demise, like I said, a lot of these things all of a sudden start sounding silly. It's like, really? I worked all that much to spend $400,000 on this car that's making my life miserable? And all of a sudden, it just doesn't make sense, right? Right. So talking to these people, letting them know that you and I have these great conversations. Why not capture this and put some of it on social media so that way we can yes. also make an impact and we ought to do it. We owe it to ourselves. And here's the last thing I would say about that. A lot of people that are watching your show right now too, including myself, I think sometimes we're much more of an observer than a contributor. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between being a consumer and being a producer. I want everybody to be a producer. Why scroll past all these posts on social media and not put your two cents in? People need to hear what you have to go through. I am so, I so admire you, sister. Like you have oh. no idea. When I read your story, I was like, okay, so Christy and I have only one child and we can't <laughs> even get stuff together. Like how, did, how is she doing all this incredible work with all this stuff on her plate, right? But it would have, I would have never known about you if you don't take the time to put up a website, to make these videos and do these interviews. And I think you're making a huge impact, at least on me. And if you don't do it, somebody else is going to make an impact on me. And maybe that's not the best impact. I love that. I also have heard a couple, you're right about the cameras. And then mm -hmm. there's the whole, the, there's a saying, life is a stage. 
So treat it like that. I mean, it doesn't mean that you're narcissistic or egotistical or self-absorbed, but really put it out there. A, a woman that I went to high school with and then college with put a post. Uh, it was her anniversary, but her husband died in 2007. Mm. And she said, you know, the, the person that they hired to take pictures of their wedding back in 1990, whatever it was, all of his film got exposed. And so there were no pictures, but her aunt had taken pictures with this crappy little camera back then, right? No internet, but it's all she had. And she said, take a minute to stop, take the picture, create the memory. We're, we're kind of caught up in this, like, Oh, everybody's doing selfies and stuff like that. But we're, I think we're, it's a pendulum. We're either not taking anything or we're taking all these selfie, selfies. And for her, she's like, if someone hadn't taken these pictures, I would have no memories of that day. Right, and so sure. thank God. And we need to treat life like that. These are moments that we can capture and remember and give to other people in a really beautiful way, if that's your 100%. intent. So I love that. Absolutely. How do people find you? Uh, my handle is A-S-H-S-O-B-H-E everywhere, Ash Sobe. And uh, I think if you probably go on YouTube and type in I am dying and so are you, you will probably come across my TED Talk. Because, you know, you the will. story is not unique to me. <laughs> right, Ash, the story is not unique to me. Thank you so much for being on and for sharing. I really appreciate you. I appreciate the fact that you're choosing to spend some of your youth with me. It's the most precious asset you have. And the fact that you're choosing to spend some of your time with me, it just means the world. Thank you.